It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On Raptors is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 902 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, March the 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Of course, please make sure you're checking out all of the Locked On shows we have for you, including Locked On Blue Jays and Locked On Leafs. Uh, of course, Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs and AJ Andrews from Locked On Jays were on yesterday's episode of the podcast they will also be on tomorrow's episode of the podcast as we finish off our two-part toronto sports roundtable so keep an eye out there uh and as always all the support telling a friend is always very appreciated okay on today's show we are joined by the king of raptors bloggers the the blog father himself the blog james i believe is a name he's gone by in the past and he is also the author of one of the best annual columns over at the athletic all your trade ideas are bad it's blake murphy blake what's going on man oh i need to push back i have never referred to myself as the blog james that is no no, no. i, do, I called okay. you that i, I think. Uh, yeah I have nothing to do with any of those. You know, you could call me the big dog, the head of the table, whatever. It, it, I would accept a wrestling tie-in one, but uh, LeBlanc James is is too much. Also, so this is something that came up in uh, in addition to the All Your Trade Ideas Are Bad column over at The Athletic. Uh, Rich uh-huh. Hoffman and I did a back and forth, basically a mock negotiation of what a Lowry to Philadelphia deal uh, would look like. And it mm-hmm. struck me that if Lowry leaves... I am now older than any Raptor. Lowry's the only one left who's older than me. Uh, And I feel like that graduates me from blogger to, like, that's the official transition from, oh, you're a young writer, you came from the blog (laughs) scene, and now I'm just, like, an old, established industry head. Now I'm the problem in the industry. Yeah, there are definitely too many Blake Murphys out there for sure. Yeah, We're just, that's the day Lowry leaves is the day it. I go from counterculture path in the industry to to being part of the problem. Oh man, I, I'm I'm now curious where I'm at. I'm 28. I can't be far off if Lowry goes. I guess Baines is in his 30s. Yeah, yeah, that. I'm I'm right between Lowry and Baines. They're both 86. Right. Um. So, yeah. So if you're 28, what year are you then? I'm a 92. Yeah, and so, I can't so that's profess it. That, to know the years of all these. No, guys. that's all you've got because after Baines, it's a huge drop off. A uh, little trivia for you: Do you know who the third oldest Raptor is? Is it Pascal? It's Chris Boucher. 
Oh my god! Rising <laughs> prospect Chris Boucher is the uh, the third oldest Raptor at 28. Wow. Well, that makes me feel like shit. And uh, let's continue on, Blake, and leave the bad feelings behind us. On this day, of course, March 11th, there will be no other bad feelings to run into, I'm sure. I have no interest uh, in, the, in any sort of <laughs> retrospective or whatever. Uh, talking <sighs> about being at that charity event and getting kicked out as the league got <laughs> shut down. Hard pass. Oh, man. Yeah, if you want retrospectives, tune into a uh, basketball a little bit later today, as Katie and I, I'm sure, are going to get good and sad and uh, reflective. Oh. Uh, anyway, also, let's sorry, not, not, not do to steal that. your yeah. Not to steal your host job and no, man. Uh, steal what's, what's coming on uh, basketball. But the first two parts of Katie's three-part series over at uh, Uproxx on um, the mental and physical health challenges of this year of basketball have been excellent. Um, yeah, they're insanely good. Really great series. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about those on the podcast because Katie's the best and uh, you should read all of the stuff she writes. I'm drinking out of a mug she made me right now. Uh, see, I commissioned her for a king cake baby mug <laughs> three months ago and she still hasn't made it. I might have to make the, a the process is really pod. long. She she walked me through what it takes. It's uh, <laughs> oh, I know. But I've got my uh, my big face coffee mug. No IOUs. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine she's like thrilled to get up and make a king cake baby mug, as she said. You know, it's turned her like biggest hate into a, a thing she has to do for a hustle. It's, uh, I feel bad for what I've done. I to also, her, but just also, don't know how you do mug? it. Like, like I know Katie's very good at it because I have two of her mugs, and I've seen some of the stuff she posts on Weird Vessels on Instagram. But I don't know how. Like, I, I feel like a king cake baby mug might be beyond someone just renting pottery studio space like like i'm trying to i'm trying to like picture what that would look like and how you would make it like i guess the i guess the real option is to make a plain mug and just like paint king cake baby on it yeah i believe it'll be sort of in the vein of her bad nba logo mugs okay. which are also great see yeah. i thought you wanted uh, the mug to be like in the shape of king cake baby's <laughs> head so when you're drinking out of it you're drinking out of the top of uh king cake baby's head yeah, yeah. The bottom of the mug is covered in a diaper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a difficult undertaking. I mean, I don't know what her interpretation of my s- request is, so it could be any of these yeah. things. Anyways, Blake, <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into uh, why you're here, of course. You write the annual Why Your Trade Ideas Are Bad piece for The Athletic. It's amazing. It's one of my faves. It's, I think, everyone's fave uh, Blake thing of the year, or at least on the short list for sure. And, I don't know, you're big and famous, so I feel weird asking you to come on the podcast more than a couple times a year. And so I used the, the big the big like landmark moments to, to bring you on. And I, I'd argue I, I'm not famous, but I have, uh, I have gotten big over the last year, so <laughs> that's, uh, that's an issue. Same but, here. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun, man. It's one of my favorite things to do. This is year six of it, I think. Um, and it's like... Like... I got 92 trade proposals this year. Like, so this is the first year that I wasn't able to include every trade proposal because it was just like it was just too long. Um, just more proof that you're an established old industry head now. Yeah, and, uh, not cool anymore. Unbelievable. But anyway, Blake, let's. I'm not gonna maybe grill you on like specific trades necessarily. I did read the piece. There's a lot. I do want to ask you about Thad Young, who was surprisingly missing from the action in this one, uh, as the listeners and readers let you down. Uh, but I, I just kind of want to get a feel for your overall feeling about the Raptors heading into this deadline. I think people who listen to this podcast know how I feel about it. I think this season should be about giving Kyle Lowry uh, as earnest a run 
one last time with the Raptors and then maybe bringing it back. You know, maybe there's some finality to what it feels like. And then you come to the summer and realize, oh, maybe we should just run this back once again. That's where I'm at with Lowry. I don't think they should trade him. You know, the the packages, I guess, can get a little bit compelling when you talk about the Sixers, as you mentioned with your piece with Rich Hoffman. That was also quite good that I read this morning. But in terms of the overall philosophy philosophy for you, Blake, I'm sure you will take a very measured and reasoned approach to this because that's what you do. And that's the whole point of the piece. But, you know, just sort of where you're sitting right now, seeing where the Raptors record is with, I guess, the knowledge that they are probably going to be missing their guys at least for one more game against the Hawks tonight. And then who knows from there? What is your overall philosophy heading into the deadline if you are the GM of the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, it's a tough spot, right? Because you can, you know, one of the toughest things, and Eric Kareen and I bounced this around uh, on our podcast and in a written piece last week, you know, it's really easy to make a case for buy or sell or hold. Like, there's no, that's the thing with these things is that there's not actually a wrong answer. Like, if you're the Sacramento Kings and you're suggesting they buy, yes, that's that's a wrong answer. Uh, if you're the Toronto Raptors who built this culture on winning and, and you have the face of the franchise in maybe the last year um, with the team or the last year in his, in his kind of peak phase, um, you know, you could go either way. And I, I understand wanting to get something before a guy leaves and, you know, four of the eight championship rotation guys have left with nothing coming back. Uh, but I don't like the you lose him for nothing discussion because, like, you got nine years and a championship out of Kyle Lowry. You didn't mm-hmm. – you you don't lose him for nothing. You paid him for nine years to be the best player in franchise history. So um, <laughs> you do get something out of it. But I, I also understand, you know, asset-wise – it's hard to stay competitive if everyone leaves and nothing else comes in. Um, I personally am in a place where, you know, I don't see a move that gets the Raptors to title contention. Uh, right. However, even considering, you know, the decreased revenue of being in Tampa and stuff like that, um, when you factor in the value that they put on winning a, as an experience gainer and a culture builder and stuff, I think I'm in like a moderate buy spot where I'd love to see them add you know, one more forward or or a center who can kind of stabilize that position. Um, I probably don't go as far as including a first or Malachi Flynn, and that's kind of, you know, I know I know people won't love the kind of half measure of, of being a partial buyer. Mm-hmm. But with how many firsts the Raptors have traded over the last few years, uh, you know, you have to keep that prospect cupboard restocked and that pipeline filled uh, at some point, not not just for talent, but for, you know, having inexpensive contributors uh, on the roster and stuff as you pay guys like Siakam and Anobi Van Vliet and maybe Powell now, um, you know, what they're worth. So I'd be I'd be willing to to add if I'm the Raptors. Uh, I probably don't kick in a first, but if you, you know, salary matching Terrence Davis, some seconds, uh, if you can get there with that stuff, then, uh, you know, I, I'm certainly open to it. I, I do think... You know, having having said all that, uh, I'm also like paradoxically in the sell high on Norm, right? Camp. So uh, I don't know. I'm I'm all over the place this year. I think we all are. It's okay. And like with the way the team has played this year, I don't blame people for maybe feeling low about their their path through the postseason. You know, I think there's 
there's an outside chance that they squeak into a conference finals with a win now move, like and supplementing the team and making them a little bit more deep and more impervious to guys missing games and allow them to play small ball more, all that stuff. Like I think there's a path there. I think they're a lot better than their record suggests, and I think even the hit their net rating has taken the last couple of games is mostly due to uh, you know not having anyone on account of the plague. And so how do you actually equate that, right? So. I I still maintain that I'm in buy mode, and I'm again. I think the season should just be about making it as awesome for Kyle as possible, and maybe that's me being a simp for Kyle. But well, I, if you're gonna I, simp for anyone, exactly right. Like, are you gonna tell me I'm wrong for doing that? That said, I understand. You know where the where the cell talk comes into and i do want to get into norm for sure blake in just one second here but first we should tell people about our Michelob ultra player of the week each week Michelob ultra is bringing to you the raptors player of the week over the last seven days and look the raptors have not really played any games over the last seven days kyle lowry won it last week and you know what we're just going to make it kyle lowry again this week he is once again your Michelob ultra player of the week enjoyment isn't the end game it's the whole game and of course that's the the whole idea with Kyle Lowry he's enjoyment no matter what especially when he's doing post-game press or I guess post-practice press conferences whatever it might be and saying that he's going to retire a Raptor whatever happens and making the whole world weep and cry and feel loved uh, that maybe they have not felt from a player in the history of the Raptors franchise it's beautiful uh, you know what else is beautiful is Michelob Ultra has 2.6 carbs and 95 calories it's only worth it if you enjoy it and much like Kyle Lowry Lowry, Michelob Ultra is bringing joy, happiness, and enjoyment to the game. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? Michelob Ultra, go fire it up. Thanks to them for sponsoring the uh, Player of the Week, of course, and we will come back to you again next week once again with your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. We'll see if Kyle Lowry can win for a third straight time. All right. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Baseball is coming up soon, too. You can bet on stat leaders, award winners, win totals, all that stuff. Get in on the George Springer action right now over at betonline.ag. They have real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, even Greek and Croatian basketball if you feel like you want to throw some money down. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to betonline.ag, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and use the code LOCKEDON to get that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. All right, Blake, uh, let's dive into the norm thing. Uh, you mentioned that you are sort of <laughs> both in the buy camp and also in the sell high on norm camp. This was a conversation we started to have on the podcast, but honestly, it's not been near top of mind with all the Larry stuff going on. And I guess, you know, the COVID happening, too. But with norm, I guess lay out the argument for trading him because... He's been excellent this season. The efficiency has been off the charts. Second straight season, he's done this more or less, which I think maybe hints that this is just who he is. Obviously, the limitations are still there defensively, playmaking-wise, decision-making, all that stuff. And he's coming up on a summer where he's probably going to opt out of that $10.8 million or whatever he's owed for next year and hit the open market and probably get paid as a dude who scores 18 to 20 points a game and shoots 40-plus percent from three and can be a really wonderful fourth or fifth option on a pretty good team. So, Blake, why trade Norm Powell? Why are you in the sell camp on Norm? Well, because I think that Norm Powell is about to get pretty expensive. And I think, you mm -hmm. know, obviously his fate is tied to Lowry, where if Lowry stays... 
and you're looking ahead to re-signing Lowry and using his bird rights to do so, that flexibility the Raptors have built for 2021 is gone. So, you know, you re-up Lowry and Norman Powell and you add with the mid-level exception or trade. Um, and that's a reasonable enough path, especially if you still think there, there's growth coming from uh, a couple of those guys. But in my eyes, you know, Norman Powell's trade value and asset value on this contract have been all over the place over the years, right? It's, uh, <laughs> it's he he's... He is inconsistent, and uh, you know he's in the the stretch that's probably, if not the best, the second best sustained stretch of play he's ever had in his career. Uh, so it feels, you know, not great to talk about it like this. Like this is his second year in a row with a true shooting percentage over sixty two percent on higher than average usage, and the Raptors really need that skill set. Uh, however, a lot of teams also really need that skill set, and I, I think this is just. <laughs> You know, if you look at Powell as this is the last year of him making 10.9 and he's definitely opting out next year, you know, Grange through the the number 20 million out there. I was thinking more like 17, 18 uh, on the market. Um, You know, I don't I don't know that I trust Norman Powell at that price. And it's partly, you know, obviously the offensive profile is uh, is there. Uh, and the three-point shooting is now over uh, three seasons of, of 40% or higher. Like, he's – I'm not questioning that he's a very good offensive player. Um, but when you get into that 18 to 20 million range as your fourth salary or fifth salary in that tier, and it's a guy whose only weapon really is scoring because, you know, he hasn't prog- – he did have that one six-assist game, but he hasn't progressed as a, as a playmaker at all. He doesn't really contribute uh, in rebounding. Um, he's not, uh, you know, he probably tops out as an average defender, you know, the drop off, the potential for that to end up a bad deal or the drop off is real. Um, so I just think Powell in the last year of this $10.9 million contract and with the bird rights that would go out with them, I just think that's going to have a lot of value. And I think that, you know, uh, it's tough because he does do what this team needs and he's a great fit for, for what they have right now. And obviously he's the second longest tenured Raptor after Lowry. Um, you know, I was big on Norman Powell on draft night. I, I feel bad <laughs> doing this. Uh, but I just think, you know, ahead of him getting a pretty substantial raise, um, you know, his value is never going to be higher. And, and I do think that as tough as this current roster construction is without Norman Powell, um, a score only player or, or a score not score only but scoring as your primary driver of value um mm. is maybe like the the least important not the least important but it's the you can try to find it in other ways i guess i'm saying um yeah i don't know norman powell's good he's having his second really good season in a row and i just i don't know i just think someone's going to be willing to attach a first uh to norman like to get norman powell and uh I don't know. It's uh, it's spicy. It's I I think that there would be a really good market for him. Is basically where I'm at. Yeah, I, all well well taken points. I think I'm still on the side of hang on to Norm and maybe look to re-sign him. And, and here's like my argument for that. And you can tell me if you think I'm crazy and if you think it'll backfire. But you know, first of all, if you are, are assuming you know Lowry, even if you keep him, is not maybe going to be you know the peak version of Larry by the end of that contract whatever his next contract might look like and we can save that for another day 
you know, I, I feel like Norm, as much as his scoring is really like the only thing that really holds up his value, on this particular team where scoring can be difficult to come by, I feel like it kind of has a little extra value to the Raptors just because, you know, their half-court offense can get sticky. It's been better this season, and, you know, Pascal and Fred have made strides and are able to score from, you know, multiple levels now, and it's a little bit less of a problem than it was last year, but it's still a problem, and as Kyle Lowry declines, that will, or if he leaves, that will continue to be a problem, considering Lowry last year in the postseason, if everyone recalls, was the only person who could just go get the team a bucket, which was wild to watch and was very cool, and I feel very bad for the bruised thighs of Daniel Tice as Kyle Lowry hurtled himself into him a thousand times scoring <laughs> buckets during that series. Um, and so there's the value of Norm scoring, like particularly on this team, fitting in with a Fred, OG, Siakam, you know, insert center here, when Evan Mobley drops to 22 or whatever and the Raptors take him. Uh, you know, th- I think the fit's still really nice with Norm in the starting five going forward, Lowry or not. Um, and then... You know, the argument I kind of made on Monday, we sort of talked about this with Vivek and Sahal, is, you know, the Raptors, I think, are kind of setting themselves up to be in the position to make one of those DeMar for Kawhi-esque trades at some point in the next few years, where they're going to have Siakam, OG, Fred, potentially Norm on big tradable contracts that you could throw in and, you know, at least intrigue a team that has a disgruntled superstar by getting someone who's established back and do I think Norm is the most valuable of those guys absolutely not but making 18 million bucks I don't know if I feel like it could equally go sideways and feel like a bad contract or could be perfectly reasonable value and could be an easily included trade or trade ship in a deal for a bigger star down the line I guess the question is how big is the risk of it becoming a bad deal? And if it's 18 million bucks a year, you know, I don't really know what to think about that. Where where are you on that? Like in terms of the likelihood that that deal could become something that can't in fact be traded for something bigger uh, down the line. Nothing, nothing can't be traded. True. Uh, this is the NBA. <laughs> Wells got traded once. Yes. Yeah. This is the NBA. <laughs> um, but um yeah, I don't know. I think I don't think there's a, a huge risk that it's like a, a toxic contract. Um, it's more, you know, and this isn't just Norm's fault um, or, or like just the Norm analysis. But if you look at the Raptors cap sheet, it's not just about Norm paying Norm, yeah. say, 18 million. It's, it's about the fact that you would then have OG Fred, Pascal and Norm locked in for 87 million between the four of them which right. is the bulk of your um, you know, cap for, for the foreseeable future. And, and I think we've gotten a look here at what uh, that core kind of, kind of looks like. And obviously there's still room for all those guys to grow, but they're also all other than OG, you know, 26, 27. So, um, you know, they're kind of entering the peak phase of their career here where, you know, we'll stop projecting too much growth from here. Um so it's tough. It's a tough roster construction way. Now, again, uh, some of this flows from Lowry. If Lowry says, yeah, I'll come back on a 240, and suddenly you don't have cap flexibility anyway, and Powell's bird rights are your best way to get a guy of Powell's stature, then yeah, you 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 suck it up and do it. But, um, you know, I, I do think that you have to be cautious of locking in too much of the core too expensively. Um, you know, I just... Just want to be cautious. You know what I think the actual issue with Norman Powell is? Is that What's Eric Kareen threw out the idea of Malik Monk <laughs> and salary filler and a pick for Norman Powell. And Malik, I, I don't I don't want to put 
uh, Eric on blast, but I don't think I, I think maybe he underestimates just how uh, fun and cool Malik Monk has gotten. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because that if, if that's the kind of deal you can get for Norman Powell, then I'm all over it. But yeah, yeah so let's actually pivot and get into some of the actual trade submissions that were in your piece, mostly regarding norm since we're on the topic we'll get to that in just one sec here blake but first i want to tell our friends about rockauto.com the place that is going to save you money if you're a dumb dumb like me who is constantly getting fleeced by the mechanic charging you full price for auto parts when you need something done on your car rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they've got everything you need from the big important stuff like engine control modules and brake parts all the way down to the aesthetic stuff like carpets whether it's for your classic or your daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you as well amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at built bar who of course make the best tasting protein bar in the world it's amazing low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and wonderfully tasting covered in 100 chocolate and now is the time to figure out which built bar is the best it's built bar madness baby go to builtbar.com slash pages slash brackets and you will find the bracket with the matchups for every single day of the built bracket tournament all through march the two matchups today caramel brownie against cherry barcia i'm taking cherry barcia 100 times out of 100 there it's incredible and i'll match up to lemon almond cheesecake against carrot cake with walnuts let me tell you carrot cake is good but lemon almond cheesecake is my number one seed you should go order a whole box of them they're delicious and i think it should win go to builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on twitter to vote and remember to use the promo code locked on 20 to get 20 percent off your next order that's locked on 20 so you get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar going forward. Okay, Blake, let's wrap this up and uh, dive into some of those specific proposals for Norm Powell that we were kind of alluding to. He was included a lot in your piece uh, in various sort of fashions in those sort of sell trades, buy trades, sell and buy trades, kind of all over the place. <laughs> um, did you have a favorite Norman Powell trade proposal that came in in the piece? Huh. I mean, yeah, the, my favorite ones are always the ones where you get really good stuff for not sending <laughs> as much out. Um, like a, a Miles Turner for Powell and filler swap or something like that. Um there weren't a lot that I was, uh, you know, super... There were some that were good from the Toronto side, but but I just don't see um, mm -hmm. overall. And there was a lot of, you know, there were a handful of trying to turn Powell into a similar level player with um, more term or like, like a Miles Turner or with right. more cachet like a Victor Oladipo who... Um, I know has been really, really good in the past, but has been demonstrably worse than Norman Powell this year. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think there there was a really spicy Powell and Picks package for Zach Levine, which would be cool. Zach Levine is basically <laughs> like super Powell. Um, you know, there were some fun ones. There there wasn't anything with Powell where I was like, yeah, that's that's the deal. That that's the way to sell. Um, I did think it was interesting that people 
almost exclusively used Powell as a chip to add. Um, right. There weren't a lot of cell Powell um, frameworks. Actually, I think they were all um, by the one, of course, uh, that I like most. And I don't think Chicago would do this because they have Zach Levine and Norman Powell is about to be a free agent and there were no picks in this framework. But if you use that salary to target Thad Young, mm. the big bad booty Thaddy, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's where I, I don't think Norm would be a part of a Thad Young deal. I think that's very much the uh, the HBAP situation where you're just stacking salaries and then throwing picks at it until yeah. Chicago says yes. But um, yeah, that was probably, you know, the best target that I saw or uh, the most realistic target that I saw. I have no interest in Chris Stapp's Porzingis, so. Yeah, no, uh, get that shit out of here. Uh, got enough of that already. Yeah, he's bad and bad person. We don't need uh, to, to, to even entertain that. Yeah, I can't believe no one got mad at me for my Chris Epps Porzingis is actually Andrea Bargnani comment in that post. <laughs> but, like, he's a seven-foot shooting center who doesn't shoot that well. Mm-hmm. He's had one season out of five where he shot above league average. Does he average more than four rebounds a game? Uh, yes. That I probably couldn't name off the top of my yes, head. Yes, he does. I guess that's dif- the differentiating factor. He is yeah. not, however, an astronaut, which, of course, we know is one of Andrea Bargnani's 15 vocations. Um, God, what a dumb episode that was if you listened to that <laughs> way back in the day. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad you brought up Thad Young, actually, because we can pivot away from the norm talk. I think we've kind of covered that extensively. Uh, Thad Young only came up in, I believe, one trade proposal in yeah. your piece, which is I, interesting. I got eight Rashawn Holmes trade proposals. <laughs> Obviously, the Holmes agenda is working. Uh, get them both. Dude, this is the... My, my take for Masai and Bobby is the Kawhi to Nick Nurse take. Um, you know, maybe we'll go out and get Thad or Rashawn Holmes. Ah, F it. Let's, let's get both. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm on board with that. That sounds cool. Uh, I don't know if they had the stuff to do it. No, but, but yeah. You know, let me get, make a submission. Get it done, Masai. Let me make a submission to you, Blake. Sure. A couple days ago, we had uh, Locked On Bulls co-host Jordan Malley on the podcast, and we were talking through a potential Thad Young deal. And as he rightly pointed out, Thad is going to come at a price. Mm-hmm. He's been probably the second-best bull this season. He's become like a point center. He would fit wonderfully on a lot of contenders and gives you lineup flexibility. He can kind of play the four or the five wherever you want him to play. And the thought of him pairing up with Siakam and OG in the front court makes me very happy inside. It's going to take a lot. The deal that we kind of got close to with myself and Jordan was Chris Boucher, uh, I guess the Stan and McCaw matching salaries, and then a protected first in like 2022. And the reason it's not a 2021 pick is because Boucher is involved as opposed to it being Baines. You made the point a couple times in the piece. I think it's smart to repeat. Uh, Trading Baines isn't like the solution. He's nice to have on the team. We've already seen that in a situational spot against like a big hulking Joel Embiid or someone like that. He can provide a little bit of value here. Uh, I I think finding another center to pair with Baines is maybe the preferable way to go here. Yeah, I'm not giving up assets to turn Baines into JaVale McGee and still having the problem of there's no starting center. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But But yeah, I I think that framework's okay. You know, the... Mm -hmm. For Chicago, Boucher having that, you know, non-guaranteed second year is nice. Obviously, uh, any future pick is uh, is pretty valuable um, for for them, especially with where they are. You know, it's it's a little hard to figure because we don't know what this front office is going to be all about and stuff. But they, yeah. um, 
you know, they don't have any extra firsts right now. So that would, you know, theoretically help their their war chest. I, I think Boucher in a first is, if you're dealing a guy, that that's a pretty nice, um, that's a pretty nice package. Uh, so let's just put it out yeah. there. Uh, all of my trade ideas are good. Everyone else's are bad. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, I, I, people are going to balk <laughs> at, at throwing out another first. Um, that also has like a friendly second year on his deal. Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, that's where you kind of have to get to a little bit where, especially if you are in the re-sign Lowry and or re-sign Powell camp, you know, mm-hmm. that's contributing next season as well. Um, and yeah, losing that first and Chris Boucher hurt because those would both be valuable. Um, you know, Boucher would be valuable next year and, uh, the pick would be a a valuable trade chip, but you know, that's good. And he's still only 32. So, yeah. And that's that's just a really good contract. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, I think like it was Bashan Holmes for me for a while is like my number one like fantasy trade target and i think it's definitely pivoted to thad just because uh, i'm less in the camp that they need another center and more just someone who can help them lean further into small ball yeah like look it would ideally they get another center but if you're gonna buy the priority should be getting good players yeah it's uh i'm not really locked into uh pardon the pun uh i'm not really locked into uh, (laughs) it being you know one specific guy or one specific Mm -hmm. position you just you want good players Mm -hmm. absolutely speaking of good players kyle lowry you should probably wrap up with kyle you had the piece with rich hoffman uh that we mentioned and we have not really talked about kyle so far and that seems strange and misguided but let's get into it as it'll be like the 14th straight podcast we've talked about kyle lowry uh here on locked on um you know I, i think like I said, I, I think people know where I stand on it. I think people are aware where you typically stand on it from your work. Uh, the piece with Rich was great, and uh, walking through the negotiation, you can at least see why it would make some sense for the Raptors uh, in terms of if they're willing to include three of that sort of magic grouping of, you know, Shake Milton, uh, Matisse Thibel, uh, who's the other one? Uh, God. Tyrese Maxey, and then, and then their first-round picks. If they're willing to include three of that, then maybe that gets you excited, especially if, you know, the Raptors come out of the break here and lose three games because they don't have any players available. <laughs> maybe that changes your calculus. Uh, are you like, say the offer is Danny Green, Mike Scott, Maxi, Thibel and a first. Like, how interesting is that to you? Obviously, that's probably as good as it's going to get. Maybe you can squeeze an extra pick out of it. I don't know. Other teams don't really have that package to offer that, you know, you're not doing anything with the Clippers. They have nothing to trade outside of Marcus Morris and crap, and you're not doing that. Um, Most of these teams don't really have viable packages to throw together. The Sixers sort of do. I still am on the fence as to whether or not I care enough about Thibel and Maxi to really think it's worth their while to sell the best player in franchise history. But if that is the offer today, you know, the, the offer comes over the phone and Philly says, all right, let's do it right now. It, 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 it's like the Shark Tank thing where it's like, uh, say yes now or you don't get the deal. What say you, play? Yeah, I mean, I probably I did that whole exercise with, with Rich with that in mind. And I think, you know, obviously this is conditional on Kyle Lowry being amenable to it and probably mm-hmm. even asking for it. Uh, but I think that's the package, right? I think if you're getting three of... Maxi Tybel, Milton, and firsts, 
whatever specifics that comes down to with protections and, and you know whether you value the the prospects or the picks you know taking on no long-term money and getting three long-term assets back for Lowry is kind of a best case scenario I think so I would prefer to continue to watch Kyle Lowry as a Toronto Raptor for the rest of this year and into future years uh, because he's the best but if you know say they drop these next couple games and Kyle's like look uh I would like to bring a championship to my city and be a legend <laughs> in two places. Uh, I think that's probably about the best deal you can hope for. Yeah. And like, if I'm just speaking as a fan, I think Philly's the only team that I don't want to throw up thinking about him winning a title for. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, like, <laughs> like I, I really think you'd have a scenario there where the, where the Raptors fan base became Sixers fans for the playoff run, because you know, there's the Embiid connection with with Pascal and Masai. There's the, um, you know, any any sort of um, what's the word? I'm like, inferiority complex about something like that is gone because the shot happened against the 76ers and, yeah. <laughs> and the Raptors won a championship after beating them. Uh, you know, I know the Raptors fan base is not the most fond of uh, Ben Simmons, but you uh, <laughs> you do what you can. And, you know, Embiid's likable and you'd like to see him do well. Um, you know, obviously Lowry for his hometown team. And, yeah, I, I really do think the fact that the Raptors beat the Sixers on the way to the title, like, is the is the only thing keeping this on the table. Like, like if if... Kyle Lowry was from Boston, and Boston was offering a similar deal. Uh, no chance. No, no chance are we talking about this. I'm not doing that trade negotiation with Jared Weiss. Absolutely none of, none of this is going on. Yeah, you're talking about riots in that case. Um, it, yeah, it's, it is like an interesting thing with Philly. I know some people still like to call them cowards and frauds, which, hey, you know, if the, if the shoe fits. But um, I, I feel like there's sort of a mutual respect because of that series and sort of the the understanding that of all the series the Raptors went through in that playoff run the Sixers was probably the toughest and most uh nail bitey and I think there's like a an understanding of how rad Joel Embiid is and all that because of it so yeah I think you could talk yourself into it I still don't want that to happen (laughs) I would rather see the Raptors stay with Kyle Lowry on the team and go forward but if you have to talk me into one team getting him fine I guess it's Philly uh Blake we've done uh, a lot of talking on today's show I, I appreciate you so much taking the time to join the podcast I don't want to take any more of your valuable precious time but uh where do people I mean, people know where to find you but I guess for the formality of it all where can people find you we'll watch people check out yeah uh, at Blake Murphy ODC on Twitter and you can find all my written work uh, at the athletic if you don't subscribe to The Athletic yet, just shoot me a DM. There's always some sort of uh, discount or promo code bouncing around. I get in trouble every time I say this, but it's true, and I want you to sign up <laughs> and read my work. So uh, do that. And then, yeah, Raptors Reasonableist, the uh, Raptors podcast, which is not behind the paywall. Uh, and then my music podcast, Columbia House Party, which uh, we still got to get you on sometime. Yeah, uh, I, I, the Neighborhoods episode. I got my yes. uh, <laughs> very uh, very eager to get on that one, hopefully, if you guys will have me. But if not, I'll take whatever you'll whatever scraps you'll toss me. I'll talk about any stupid album from the mid-2000s. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to do it. Uh, anyway, man, this was lovely. Uh, everyone, go listen and read to Blake. I mean, you, again, you're doing that already if you listen to this podcast. But I guess I, if there are some people out there who know this podcast and me but don't know who Blake is, 
you should go and do the Blake thing. He's good at it. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. Again, tomorrow's podcast will be part two of the roundtable with myself, Mike DiStefano, and AJ Andrews as we attempt to rank the five best athletes in Toronto. It gets rather heated. Uh, and, of course, the Leafs bias of Mike seeps in. But it's a lot of fun. That's coming up on Friday. I'll have a bit of a preview, uh, like a one-segment prelude on that podcast where I talk about the fake game against the Hawks tonight where the Raptors have no players. Uh, so you have that to look forward to to close out your week on Friday. Until then, have a wonderful day, everybody, and we will talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.